Amen. So, I got to ask a question first to start this off. How many have ever seen the movie The Karate Kid? Raise your hand, The Karate Kid. A lot of you have, yeah. And I'm not talking about The Karate Kid with Will Smith's kid. That, I don't know what that was, but that wasn't The Karate Kid. I'm talking about Ralph Macchio, Mr. Miyagi, Daniel San, that Karate Kid. Because if you saw that movie, there was a scene in there where the, the bad guys, Cobra Kai, they're in their, their, their uh, training, and, and the leader is chanting with them. And he's saying things like, fear does not exist in this dojo. And then he said, pain does not exist in this dojo. And, and I thought about that right there, and I'm like, those are two four-letter words, right? Fear and pain, two that we're going to look at in this series. But the reality is, let me tell you something. Pain does exist in this dojo, unfortunately. But it does. And if I ask you, think of a painful moment in your life. Uh, something that is so just still real to you, you could think of it like that. Ladies, you might go right back to the day that you had a baby, if you've had a baby, right? I understand that's painful. I don't know. God made me a boy because he knew I couldn't handle it. No way I could handle that. And there is the miracle of childbirth. The child is a miracle, but you know what else is a miracle, Casey? That people in that delivery room are still alive when that's happening. Because the, the mom, at least Jody, she, you know, claws came out, man. I was just like, Jody, I love you, sweetie. I'm here for support. And she's like, squeezing my hand. Um, that was pain. I've never experienced that, obviously. But I'll tell you what I have experienced. Something that I think probably maybe rivals it. I, uh, when I was in my 20s, I would experience pain in my, in my stomach that was so severe. It brought me to the emergency room. And I was in the ER, no kidding. I'm ripping sheets off of the bed. I'm in this much pain. You know, I'm like, doctor, just take your time. I'm fine. Just ripping. I'm just going crazy in there. So he comes in, and he gives me a shot of a painkiller. It, it'd take out most elephants, but I, I, I weathered it. And I, when I came to, um, the pain was gone. And I'm like, oh, my God. They didn't know what it was. Six months later, that same pain came back. And it was so, it was so, I mean, I, it was so bad. And the same thing, this time I had to spend the night at the hospital, but same thing. Eventually, it, it went away. They did some tests, don't know what it is. And I remember thinking, God, I pray that never comes back. It, it hurt so bad. So fast forward probably six, eight months again, and I've got a couple roommates. We live in a house together, and I'm hanging out, and all of a sudden the pain is start, starting to hit. And I tell you what, desperate times call for desperate measures. And I'm like, God, I'll do anything not to have this be that pain that's hit me twice before. So I'm thinking, what can I do? How can I relieve this? And I take ibuprofen, it's still hurting. So I, I run into the bathroom. I'm like, well, maybe we just need a movement, right? So I'm thinking, all right, I don't want to get too graphic, but I will. Um, so I'm, I'm in the bathroom. I'm like, God, please just let it just pass, literally. And I'm just begging God. I don't want it to be that pain. I don't want it to be that pain. And then I remember... There's something that can help. It's something that I saw in the medicine cabinet. It wasn't mine. It was my roommates. They're weird. But I'm like, I'll, I'll desperate times. And I go through the medicine cabinet. Now, if you don't know what a suppository is, uh, praise God. Just be grateful that you don't, okay? I've never, ever, and I haven't since, but this day, it was, it was, it was, all, the gloves were off. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my God, is this what it's come to? And so I'm, I'm like literally counting down three, two, one. And I was like, okay. And you know what changed? Nothing. It didn't do nothing. It didn't help. The pain was still there. And then now I had that. So what, what do you, okay. Welcome to Meadows Church. We're really glad you're here. But that is a true story. That is how desperate I was. That's how much pain I was in that I'd be willing to go to that level, which I did. And anyway, fast forward. 
The pain of physical is, it can be excruciating like that. You know what's even worse? I believe, emotional. Casey talks about divorce. If you've ever experienced that, maybe you're going through it or you've been through it, you know pain. You know pain. If you're having a marital struggle, you know pain. Family struggle, you know pain. Losing a loved one, you know pain. Maybe it's unemployment and losing a job. Maybe it's loneliness and doing life alone. See, to me, that's probably more painful than anything in the physical realm. I'm here to, so today we start a brand new series called Four Letter Words. And the, and the topic of pain is what we're looking at. And I'm here to tell somebody, I'm, we're gonna go on a journey together. I'm gonna, I'm gonna unpack God's word. We're gonna do it together. And in this story, and if you brought a Bible or you got the mobile app, go to Luke 8. Luke is one of the four gospels. These all tell the story of Jesus' life. And Luke 8, verse 40 is where we're gonna start. And I'm telling you, Jesus, he wanted to meet a couple people. There's, there's a couple main characters in this story, and you're gonna get introduced to them. They're both in excruciating pain, different kinds of pain, but pain nonetheless. A lot of you, there's areas that you're dealing with, and this is why the Lord would bring you to Meadows Church, that you would hear a word from him and how he can, what he can do in this moment. So I wanna, I wanna take you on a journey. It starts in Luke. And it says this, and Jesus, by the way, is on this miracle tour, and he's doing great things. He's calming seas, he's healing blind eyes, he's feeding people with thousands of people with table scraps. It's amazing. And then we get to this point. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they'd been waiting for him. They'd heard about what he was doing. They heard about the miracles that were happening. A man named Jairus, a leader in the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. He said his only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. See, desperate times call for desperate measures. And he was in a desperate time. And Jesus, being Jesus, went with him. Surrounded by the crowd still pressing in, the second character enters into the story, a woman. She's in the crowd. She suffers. She's been suffering for 12 years with constant bleeding. They could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touches the fringe of his robe and immediately, say immediately, immediately, the bleeding stops. Who touched me, Jesus said. Everyone denied it. What me? What me? What me? What me, Jesus? Everyone's denying it. Peter finally says, listen, Lord, this, this whole crowd's pressing up against you. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Someone deliberately touched me. I felt healing power leave me. When the woman realized there's no way to stay hidden, there's no way out, she began to tremble. Now she falls at the feet of Jesus. And she, and there she is, in the whole, and she explains to the whole crowd why she touched the Lord Jesus and how she had immediately been healed. Daughter, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Now go in peace. While he's still speaking to the woman, we still got Jairus hanging out here. Remember Jairus, right? And his daughter? Well, here's what happens. A messenger shows up at the scene from the home of Jairus and says, hey, listen, daughter, she's dead. She didn't make it. So you can tell the teacher he doesn't need to be there anymore. There's no use troubling him now. But when Jesus heard what happened, he says to Jairus, don't be afraid, Jairus. I have, or just have faith and she'll be healed. Hmm. When they arrive at the house, at Jairus's house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in except Peter, James, and John. These are known as the inner three. Jesus' closest three disciples. 
There's three different times in Scripture when they got, a, they got a front row seat when no one else got it of the disciples. And this is one of those three times when Jesus says, come with me. And, of course, mom and dad came as well. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing. They're mourning the death of a girl. Jesus says, stop. Stop weeping. She's not dead. She's only sleeping. And they laugh at Jesus. They've seen dead people before. They know what they look like. And she was dead. So they laugh at Jesus. And then Jesus just took the little girl by the hand. And he says in a loud voice as, she, as he's holding the 12-year-old little girl, My child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned. And she immediately, say immediately, immediately stood up. And Jesus, knowing she'd be weak from the illness that she had, said, quick, get her something to eat. So this story's, oh, you talk about pain. We have two people, remember? Jairus, we know his name, we know his role. He's a leader in the synagogue. We have a woman. We don't know her name. We don't know what she does. We know, we know she's got something wrong with her. Two separate people, two separate stories, both in excruciating pain in different ways. And yet Jesus Christ would minister them both right where they're at. It's like when we preach a message and it goes forth and it's going to hit you a different way. It's going to hit you a different way. It's going to hit you a different way because he's that good. So Jesus intercedes and meets them where they're at. The woman, let's talk about her for a second. Her condition, you might think, oh gosh, bleeding, a very physical thing, right? Well, it was way bigger than physical. Can I tell you that? A woman bleeding in the way she was bleeding, in this day and age, she would be deemed unclean. She, that's what they would say. For 12 years. And if you're deemed unclean, you don't, people look down on you. You don't get around other people. You can't even go to, to uh, religious, like the festivals that they would go to a few times a year. She couldn't even go to that. So she's getting, she's getting nothing spiritually. She's dying physically inside. Not only that, she's bankrupt financially. Remember what the word said? She spent all she had trying to get well. Here she is, defiled, desperate, discouraged. Yet you know what? She doesn't give up. She keeps pressing in. I find that amazing. 12 years, my ailment that I talked about lasted like three years and I thought it was over. 12 years. How do you, I wonder how many times in our lives a pain that we have prevents us from getting the breakthrough that Jesus has for us. Think about that. I think so many people, I know I've done it in my life, I'll guarantee you, where I've stopped short of God's healing, I've stopped short of God's blessing, because I'm like, God, I keep praying, God, I keep worshiping, God, I keep giving, God, I keep loving, and it's still there. And God says, you need to, will you trust me? This woman, is, it's, her story's so amazing. She's so determined. After 12 years of appointments, 12 years of disappointments, and yet, if I ask, does she still have a purpose? You better believe it. You better believe it. We tend to think that, boy, when we're, we give our life to Christ and we have this abundant life that Jesus promises, well, we're going to be void of pain. I would, I would beg to differ. Jesus would beg to differ. Let me give you one of the main points I need you to just, and I hope you own this today. The pathway to your purpose, say purpose. The pathway to your purpose is always going to be filled with pain. It always is. Don't let that be a downer. We're going to show you how to deal with it. But the pathway to your purpose is paved with pain. That's a lot of peas, Bryce. That's like Peter Piper picking up. You, you get it. Anyway, so pathway to purpose is paved with pain. So what do we do in that pain? Here's the reality. In the pain that you're in or that you'll be in, you have a choice. 
Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and tell them you have a choice. Tell your neighbor. You got to tell them. Are you telling your neighbor? Thank you. You have a choice. You have a choice. I'll call you out. So you got a choice. You can choose. Did, did the woman choose that bleeding? Absolutely not. Did Jairus choose that her da his daughter's deathly ill? Absolutely not. But they both had a choice in it, and they both pursue a king named Jesus. And what does he do in the middle of it? I, it's so key. We tend to think that, oh, we're struggling the most. And I'm not downplaying your struggle. It, the struggle is real, trust me. But I'm telling you, we see people's highlight reels. We see people's pedestal moments. We don't see the painful moments. We've all got them. How will we respond in them? You can choose. And what breaks my heart, and this is why Meadows Church is a church where it's okay to not be okay. Say I'm not okay. okay I already knew that about you, and you already know that about me. We're not okay. But so many people will hide it. See, you can hide pain easy. Outward pain might be a little more difficult, but the... A lot of the pain we deal with, like we're learning, is internal. And you can hide it. You can fake it. You can pretend. And as long as you're hiding, as long as you're pretending, as long as you're faking, you'll never receive the healing. You never will. They, they had to come. Why, why do you think that Jesus, why do you think that Jesus did that with that woman? Like, why didn't he let her just remain anonymous? Like, she just, she, she hit, remember? She, it said he came up, she came up behind him. She's like creeping through the crowd. She's already embarrassed. People already think she's just some freak that shouldn't be there anyway. And she touches the robe of a king. And she touches it. And Jesus, Jesus knew. He, he's Jesus. He knew who touched her. So why is he saying who touched me? Why is he calling her out kind of? He's doing it for her sake. He is. See, Jesus wanted to be more than her healer. Jesus wanted to be her savior and her friend. See, Jesus wants to get relational with you. See, I know that it's easy to come and just maybe sit in the crowd, and, but I'm telling you, Jesus brought you here to get, he wanted to look her in the eye. Let me say it that way. He wanted her to see the love in his eyes, to feel the warmth in his heart. And, and remember what he called her? Put up verse 48. Remember what he said? Daughter. Daughter. That's big. So if, if she's a daughter of his, then that makes him her daddy. See, we, we mistakenly think one, something in, in Christianity. We think, oh, everyone's a child of God. Oh, they're a child of God. They're a child of God. No, they're not. You're not automatically a child of God. Did you know that? You become a child of God when you are adopted or grafted into his family. That's not the default. The default is the opposite. Okay? That's what you got to, Romans will tell you this. The gospel tells you this. But that's when you become his child. But to arbitrarily think, oh, everyone's a child of God. No, they're not. They're not. That's why him saying daughter is so critical. So in this moment and in her pain, what happens? She doesn't just go from sickness to health. She literally goes from death to life. See, when you believe in Jesus and believe that he has the power to change your life, your life will change emotionally, physically, spiritually, because that's what Jesus is in the business of doing. He changes lives. Do you believe it? You can clap. I know it's a big room, but it's okay. God's in this place. Man, he wants to work in you. You came here today expecting something, and you should. This is the house of God. And he wants to do something supernatural. But you got to get to a point, don't you? Where you don't want to hide it anymore. You don't want to put on a face anymore or a mask. I call it a spiritual tipping point. You know what a tipping point is? A spiritual tipping point is when the pain 
of staying where you're at is greater than the pain of changing. That is called a spiritual tipping point. We've all got these tipping points. Like, let me just say this. In the Gannon household, sometimes I have tipping points when we surf for a movie on Netflix. I don't know what it's like in your household, but in ours, people almost go to the ER because we can't agree on something, okay? It's like, we, we, we will surf Netflix for 45 minutes. I mean, I'm like, we could have watched a movie by now, two of them. I mean, what are we doing? Finally, I'll just give in. I'm like, ladies, go ahead, you pick. I give up. Jake and I'll be like, whatever. And you know what's coming? It's uh, <laughs> Hallmark. It's just as bad. It's just as bad. The same characters, the same, just a different title. It's like we're going to, the Princess Bride. Okay. Oh, no, no, Princess Switch. No, 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 Princess Protection Program. No, 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 Princess Diaries. No, 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 Princess Diary 2s. No, 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 Princess Has Diarrhea. Uh, you know, okay, that would actually be funny. I'd watch that one, actually. It's like, oh, my gosh. And I'll give it 10 minutes, and then I'm like, oh, like the pain's too much. And that tipping point hits, and I got to go. The, the tipping point, the pain of staying the same. Are you at your tipping point? Are you there today? I pray you are, or I pray if you're not, you will be before we leave today, that you will get to a place where you're, you're done here. And this pain is so great, I've got, I've got to, something's got to change. Jairus got to a tipping point, enough to fall at the feet of a king. And he was a leader in the church. The woman, no one wanted her around, but she was so desperate. Her tipping point, she got there. So let's talk about Jairus for a second. Don't forget about him. I mean, the woman, she's healed. But what about him? I used to think, you know what? That woman screwed everything up. She shows up. Jesus and Jairus are on their way to heal this little girl. And she puts a pause in the action. And because of that, the girl died. But I'm not so sure. I thought about it this week. And I thought about this. Jairus, remember Jairus goes to Jesus. Jesus, like, I don't know you that well. I'm hearing stories that you're doing miracles. And you're doing great things. And I'll, I'm desperate. I'll do whatever it takes. So can you come with me to my daughter and see if we can do something? So they're walking to the home, and I just wonder how much faith Jairus has at that moment. Don't you think he, I, we like to think, oh, he's with Jesus, and he's got all the faith. I bet he didn't. I bet his faith wasn't that big. I bet he's thinking, oh my gosh, here I am with Jesus. I've never, I don't know this guy that well, but I'm so desperate. But what, seriously, what are the chances? My daughter's on her deathbed, literally. And, and his faith, remember, according to your faith. So Jairus' faith, what if, what if it's down here? And Jesus loves Jairus so much. And he loves this woman so much. What if Jesus is like, okay, we got two first today, right? So Jesus says, he brings this woman in the equation. And he's going to use this woman's story. Because Jesus is thinking to himself, you know, in about two minutes, some men are going to come from Jairus' house. And they're going to tell me that his daughter is dead. Now, Jairus' faith is already right here. That's going to crush him. That's going to, I, I need to help him. I need to help him. Again, this is just, I'm just saying this, this, I used to preach it one way and I don't know anymore because Jesus is always working on our behalf. He's so loving and he's so good. And even when we don't think he's working or he doesn't understand what he's doing, we don't think he's doing it. And all of a sudden he heals this woman and Jairus is in the background. Holy cow. Jesus just healed that woman. She just said she'd been bleeding for 12 years. And he's like, and Jairus' faith is just building and building. And then he tangibly, literally sees a miracle. And boom! His faith is so high. 
And now he can handle it. So now when the news comes about his girl, he's okay. Because he's like, I just saw this guy heal this woman. If he can do it in her, he can do it in my little girl. So God is working and moving our behalf even when we don't know it. I love, and then they get to the house and the mourners, remember? They would pay people in this day to mourn and weep. It's weird, but they did. So they get there. People are crying and weeping, and Jesus is like, ah, stop. She's sleeping. And they laugh at him. You know what they didn't realize, though, the mourners? What they didn't realize is that the person they were laughing at, he wasn't just talking about a resurrection. He is the resurrection. He is the life. I came here to tell somebody, if your pain is great, know this, and you don't see a way out, that's when your God's going to make a way in. That's what he wants to do. That's what he can do. And he did it in them. It's so amazing. And yet, even as I preach, there's somebody, somebody maybe thinking, you know, I get it. Faith matters. I get it. Jesus is big. I get it. He's a healer. Why didn't he heal her? Or why isn't he healing me? I prayed for the cancer to be gone, and now they're dead. I prayed for the, the miracle to happen, and I didn't see it. And I wrote this down. I said, healing, it doesn't always happen the way we think it should happen. Okay? God is good. His plans for us are amazing. But, he, his, but they're always better. And I just need you to know this. And if you're frustrated today at a situation in your life or in your marriage or with your kids or in the pain that you're experiencing, it's okay to be frustrated. See, some of the most faithful people were the most frustrated people. We tend to think that, oh my gosh, these amazing disciples, they were frustrated. Paul, if you don't know who Paul is, he was probably one of the greatest Christians who ever lived besides Christ himself. Planted churches, got transformed by Jesus. Paul, if anybody had faith, it was Paul. If anybody went through pain, it was Paul. You read the New Testament. You read the stories of his life. This guy went through hell. And, 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 he, and there's a time he's crying out to God. And he's got a, a thorn in his flesh. Not literally. He's got some physical ailment. We don't know what it is. But it's something, and it's, and it's bad. It's bad enough. And this dude has got a high pain tolerance. Unlike your pastor, this guy's tough. And he, so for him to cry out to God that way and like beg God, three times he begged God, begging him, God, I, please take it. Three times God doesn't do it. So God doesn't remove the affliction, but you know what he gave Paul? An ingredient called grace. And he said, Paul, you know what? When you're weak, I'm strong. What's he mean by that? He means that Paul, well, look at Paul crying out to God. Is Paul going to cry out to God if he's, you know, God uses things. He uses things. So, so he adds this measure of grace, grace and he says, Paul, my grace is sufficient. When you're weak, I'm strong. And, 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 and there's somebody here today, I just believe that you're in a situation that seems so desperate to you, and you feel like literally everything's going against you. But I need you to know something. See, the enemy's always gonna fight hardest when he knows that God has something good in store for you. It's what he does. So like, like the woman and like Jairus, will you pursue Jesus? Will you trust Jesus in the mess that you're in? It is not easy. <laughs> you know, there's multiple reasons that this celebration center, love calling to that, that's what it is. We're a church that looks less like a funeral, more like a party. 
because we have something to celebrate. And we bust open a wall to reach more people in Jesus' name. And you know how that's happening? It's happening through you. You know people that are in pain, you invite them. You're in pain and that brings you to church. You know that God's big and maybe you don't know that and God's showing you that today. I'm blown away at our church. I'm blown away at what God's doing. And yet I, I know he wants to do so much more. This week I get a message from somebody in our church about a woman who is in pain, pain, pain. Remember the woman bleeding, right? How was she bankrupt? Physically, spiritually, and emotionally. The woman that I got introduced to this week. So I get, so the church being the church, that's you. This woman who's part of our church sees this other woman in her line of work and she has such a compassion for her. Like the Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will direct you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. And this, she felt this compassion for this woman. Like I need to do something more than just my job, which her job is to help, you know, heal her in a way or help her get healed. But she felt this compassion. So she wanted to do more because the woman was so desolate and so desperate. So her, she gets with her husband who's part of this church and they start gathering money and talking to other people in the church because this woman's behind on rent, you know, addiction. It'll do a lot. And she's hurting that way and she's hurting financially and she's gonna get kicked out, all this stuff. And I, I don't know any of this. This all happens like two days. I'm like, they're gathering stuff and they're coming together. I love that. That's the church being the church, by the way. That's the church just saying, well, we're the church. What, well, how can we do this? And so I got involved because the woman is, a, is an addict. So they know someone who's an addict or who was. So they reach out and they're like, Pastor Monty, there's this woman and we met her and we're doing this. And I'm like, wow, they're doing this, they're doing that. I'm like, I'm just filling up with joy. I'm like, wow, this is, this is the church. And they said, we're wondering if maybe she's open to this, if maybe you could talk to her because of your background and what she's going through. I'm like, sign me up, let's do it. So she finally gets out of where she's at. She goes into this other short-term place. Thursday, I show up to visit. And you can't really tell them that you're coming, so it's just unexpected to her. She don't know who I am. And I show up, and I meet this woman named Dorothy. And I sit down with her, and I say, hey, I'm that woman that was helping you and that family that was helping you, I'm, we're all connected, we're all part of a church and I just wanna know how we can love you. You guys, I don't, sometimes you get in, you, we get around our religious circles and we forget the world that we live in. She describes pain that I, I, and I just sat there listening to her story and what she's been through and what she's doing now and, and she's just, I mean, you wanna talk about her, it was just hurt in a body. And she's talking to me and she's opening up and she's starting to trust me. And I'm listening to the pain pour out of her. And then she says this, and you talk about tying into what, God's so good. She says, I mean, she's so, there's just no hope, at least in her mind. And she says, I have no purpose, I have nothing. And I told, I said, Dorothy, what if, what if your purpose right now, like what if God wants to use you? We get you well, right? help get you well, and then what if God wants to use you to minister to women? Women that are just, they've gone through abuse and neglect, and maybe they're in addiction, or they're, they're, they're making unwise, whatever, and you, 
you are their pastor. And she's filling up. And then you know what she says to me? She starts to have hope. And she says, she says, you know what? I love praying for people. And I said, you know what? What if you don't just pray for people? But what if someday you're standing right up here and you are part of Meadows Church prayer team, not just praying for people, but praying with people because that's what God is in the business of doing is taking lives like that and turning them into purpose. I'm telling you, your purpose is often birthed through your pain. Your purpose is often birthed through your pain. People, what's my purpose? What's my will? What have you been through? What have been your trials? What have been your struggles? I'll guarantee you. That's how I got to be a pastor. It's how God led me, it's through pain, trust me. And so I pray with Dorothy at the end of this night, and she says to me, I, I, I'm sitting on the bed with her, we're holding hands, and I'm praying, she's just welled up, and I, we get done and she looks at me and she goes, she goes, I didn't have anybody. And she's looking right at me. She goes, but now I have you. And I said, Dorothy, you, you don't just have me. I said, you've got an army. You've got a family. You've got a church. They've never met you yet. They will. And we are going to love you as long as you let us love you. And she's just filling with joy. And I'm like, this is... I want you to pray for her. Because her journey is just beginning. She's still in pain. But purpose is being birthed from it. Pain is in this world. Struggle is in this world. In my addiction, I'll never forget crying down 41st Street in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I thought I was alone. I thought I was void. I thought I was dead. And Jesus Christ was with me every step of the way. Every step of the way, I look at that. It was such a horrible situation. It was such a bad situation. But don't let a bad situation cause you to doubt the goodness of your God. He's good. He's good. And if you don't know that he's good, you might not know him. I told Dorothy, I said, Dorothy, do you believe in Jesus? She's like, yeah. I said, but do you, is it personal? Remember the woman? She believed in Jesus. She wouldn't have been crawling through the crowd to get to him if she didn't believe in him. But Jesus didn't want her just to believe in him. He wanted it to be personal. Why would he say, daughter, look at me. Tell your story. You matter. It's okay. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they say. I love you. He wants to get personal. It's what he does. And I said, Dorothy, I wanted to be personal for you. I know you believe. She had her Bible right with her. It was so awesome showing me scriptures. But I said, I wanted to be personal. We need to surrender here because you're, you're you know, it, there's some areas. The gospel of Jesus Christ is personal. So what that means is that Jesus who who lived that perfect life and died that perfect death for us, wants it to be relational. The Bible says when you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, believe that he is God's son, that he died and rose from the dead, and you call on his name, surrender to him, you'll be saved. New life begins that way. You know what God showed me this week? He said, Monty, the mission of Meadows, leading people to Christ and their God-given purpose. It starts with Christ, right? This is why you have to surrender to him. If there's an area or areas you have not surrendered today, it's your day. Because you'll never live your purpose. You won't. Not the purpose that he, that he created you for. It can't happen without him in you. And I lived most of my life without him in me. I believed in him, but he wasn't personal. I didn't know him. That's the difference that can change today. So it starts with Jesus. And then you know what the next step is? Healing. 
That's what I learned with Dorothy. We're, we're gonna get her to surrender everything to Jesus and then we're gonna help get her healed. Some of you, you know Christ, you've even surrendered to him, you're not healed. You're not healed. You won't get to your purpose if you're not healed. This is why we do divorce care. This is why we do marriage groups. This is why we have Celebrate Recovery. This is why we do Life Together in Life Groups because you need people in your life to heal you and help you. You confess to God for forgiveness, but the Bible says you confess to each other for what? Healing. We're in it together. We are in it together. I told Dorothy, we're in it together. I'll never give up on her. And here's what I know about you. You won't either. And I'll tell you this, for those of you that are hurting so bad right now, what isn't healed this side of heaven will be someday. See, I've read the back of the book. It's a good story. I, it's awesome. Like Revelation 21. I got to read it to you just so you understand how good it is. This isn't the end. This isn't the end of the story. Revelation 21.4. This is, this is in, the, in, in, the, in, the, in the Word of God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death and no more sorrow and no more crying and no more pain. All these things one day will be gone forever. So what do we learn? I just learned that God wins against sickness. God wins against darkness. God wins against depression. God wins against anxiety. I'm telling somebody, your present pain is nothing compared to your future victory. God has something big in store for you, but you gotta fight, you gotta want it. You gotta say, I don't wanna be part of the crowd. I wanna touch the hem of Jesus and be healed in his name. Do you believe that? You should give God for 10 seconds if you're ready to have God do something. I need to hear somebody. Oh my gosh. You see that? You see that? Your future victory. Say victory. Believe it. Your future victory is greater than your present pain. Pain is part of the game. And, it's, and, and the more God calls you to lead others, the more pain you're going to experience. Trust me. I lead leaders. I get that privilege. I need my leaders that I get the privilege of leading to know pain is part of the game. Make no mistake, but I would have it no other way. I know in the end we win. I know in the end we win, you have a choice. I said something earlier I need you to catch. You can be part of the crowd and never receive the blessings. You know that? I'm grateful you're here. I'm proud of you for being here, but I've seen people come and go from church and never be changed. I've not seen, I've seen him in the mirror. Me, went to church for years, nothing changed. Part of the crowd, well, I wasn't part of any blessing, I'll tell you that. Do you know why? Because blessings are personal. Blessing, you, the woman, think of the crowd. It said the, proud, the crowd's pressed in on Jesus. Here's this woman who's in agony already, but what does she do? She fights through the crowd to get to the garment of a king. Oh my gosh. So she wanted the blessing. She wanted the healing. So many people come, I want God's word, I want God's promises. Oh God, we'll declare it, you know, declare God's promises and God's, that's great, declare it all day long. But until you start to get personal with Jesus and you start to get real before him, it ain't gonna happen. That's, that's what God showed me in this message. Jairus, remember what they both did? They fell at the feet of Jesus. 
Jairus, a leader. No Jewish leader is going to fall at the feet of some <laughs> carpenter's asylum. He did. The woman did. They fell at the feet of a king. Say, I have a choice. Say, I have a choice. My prayer for our church today is this. This is my prayer, that when opposition comes, and it will, that you're going to see it as an opportunity to depend on God. That when your pain sets in, you're not going to run from God. But instead, by the power of Jesus Christ, you will find the strength to fight through the crowd, to fight through the pain, and fall into the arms of a man named Jesus who wants to set you free. Come on, somebody. Jesus, send your spirit. Will you do your work? We're coming to the we're coming to your garment. We want to grab the hem. We want the healing in our lives. But we know that requires something of this. Prayer team, I'm going to ask that you come forward. The rest of the band, I want you to come forward. I need to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you something. One of the reasons we're seeing such a movement is because of you. Again, it's you, your church. This is your church. You are getting so real and authentic before the Father. The woman, she would have liked to be anonymous. Jesus wouldn't let her. Jairus had to, he had to meet Jesus to get the healing for his daughter. This is what I'm asking, and this is one of the things we're seeing. A movement in our church is, is, is through our prayer warriors. And that, and that we're going to close in a song. And we're going to try to keep it a little bit on the lighter side, just so as you pray, you can hear each other. But I'm praying for this for you. You will get real. You will fight your way through the crowd. The crowd isn't where the blessings are. The blessings are at the feet of the Lord. That's where they're at. And, that, and I, hope there's people, I hope there's lines of people waiting for prayer. I'm, I'm asking that you will fight for, for your marriage. You'll fight for your family. You'll fight for righteousness. You'll fight for goodness. You'll fight for purpose. You'll fight for healing. You do your part, God will do his. You do your part, God will do his. We keep saying physical obedience brings spiritual healing. And some of you, you're going to come here, and some of you, maybe, maybe you're not there, and you'll go to the prayer area after the service, which is right back there. Whatever. Just don't, please promise you won't leave here if you need prayer. And if you're breathing and sitting here, you need prayer. I'm telling you, I need it. I'll be the first one up online, I promise you. And that ain't just a show. That's, I need prayer. Let's pray. Father, I don't... Your word is so amazing. Like these stories, this isn't a parable that we learned today. This isn't some fable. That was, those things happened 2,000 years ago. That this man, this God named Jesus, would intercede in so many ways and love people so many different ways. But here's what I know, God. We've got purpose. It is paved with pain, but you're, in, you're with us in the midst of our pain. And that we will see we will see breakthrough, we will see blessings, we will see healings if we don't give up. I believe that, God, not just because I believe it, but because I read it. You show it. You don't change. You're that same God. The Bible's clear. Healings that happened 2,000 years ago happen today. New life happens today. God, for somebody that needs to get real with you on a relational level, maybe they, they, they believe, but they don't know. It's like, it's like been, they, it's like a crowd thing, not a, not a one-on-one -on -one thing. God, please, 
I pray they commit their lives wholeheartedly or recommit to you, God. We will celebrate it. We will walk with them. New life begins today. For others, God, as we start to sing and worship your holy name, I pray that they'll come forward and let you just, let the prayer team, let your spirit move in their lives and you will, you will flood them with your presence and you do a work that healing power that, that, that lived and moved thousands of years ago lives and moves today. But if we have to step into it, they stepped into it. That's the difference. Thousands of people, but yet two people were impacted personally. Why? Well, they went after it. They got after it. I want to be a church that gets after it. God, we lift up Dorothy in the name of Jesus Christ. I lift up everybody in this place in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for the, their marriages. I pray for their families. I pray for their singleness. I pray for their kids. I pray for hope in areas where they don't see hope. God, will you just flood this place with your presence? Do a work in their lives. Feed them in every way that you can, God. And I pray that they'll pursue you like we learned about today. If they do, God, if they do it, well, then the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name, I pray and we all say, amen. Thanks for watching the Meadows Church YouTube channel. But don't stop there. We want to invite you to be part of our family and subscribe so you don't miss a single update or message. But not only that, I would encourage you, share this message with a friend. I mean, you and I both know so many people out there are struggling. I mean, they're seeking answers, searching for hope, looking for purpose. That's right, you were created on purpose for a purpose and we would love to walk with you in your journey. I hope you know that you are valuable and you are loved. And we believe that for you, the best is yet to come. God bless you.